Welcome to the podcast for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Today, Boxing Day, Matt finishes our series, The Coming King. Enjoy. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, Happy Boxing Day. I hope that you've had a lovely day yesterday. I hope you've been having a great Christmas so far. Um, Now, my wife, Alice, she absolutely loves Boxing Day. For her, it's just a day where apparently in her childhood, it was always you just stay in your pajamas. It's a day to enjoy your presence and just to eat all the leftover food. Uh, I seem to have less memories of Boxing Day like that, but perhaps I was all about about Christmas Day. Um, But one Boxing Day I do remember is uh, 11 years ago. It was the first Christmas that um, after we had moved to Cardiff and we were heading home on Boxing Day to see, uh, heading, well, to my family home to see my, my parents and my family. And uh, we, we were heading down the M4 and just as we went past Lee Delamere services, uh, the petrol light came on. Now it must have been kind of a real moment of festive optimism and cheer. We were like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll keep going. We'll get petrol later. Anyway, you can see where this is going. Uh, we ground to a halt somewhere just outside of Swindon. Uh, we ended up on the hard shoulder. It was pretty dark, it was pretty cold, and yeah, we didn't make it down for our second, uh, second trimmings of Turkey that day. Instead, we ended up on a, a long, slow trek back, uh, being towed back to Cardiff. So that is not the best way to spend Boxing Day. So to lead, you know, heed our lesson. If, if you're traveling anywhere today or in the next few days, make sure you fill up uh, and check your tires as well. They always say check your tires, don't they? So anyway, um, but that was our Boxing Day. 11 years ago. Um, but anyway, I hope you're doing well at this Boxing Day. I know it's obviously another Christmas. It's, these are kind of uncertain and unsettling times, but I do hope that you've been having uh, a, good, a good Christmas period. And also, you know, for me today, I, I'm just conscious that there's a lot of happiness, but there's also some sadness. Uh, personally, uh, myself and my family, we're remembering, sadly, this year we, we lost a, um, a very good family friend who passed away from coronavirus. Uh, and he, is, he was a really lovely, gentle, caring man, and uh, we would regularly spend time, in fact, most Boxing Days, our family and his family would go for a Boxing Day walk. So I'm thinking of him today and, and his, his family. So it's, again, it's the, the season, as it were. There's a lot of happiness and a lot of joy, but, but also some sadness and, and poignancy as well. And that's why we've been looking at Jesus this Christmas, because it's in him who we find all we need. And we, you know, all, all the Christmas story is about is, is that message of hope also someone who meets us where we're at. Let me start um, with this little bit of prose I found, which I think is just lovely. Simply says this, the cosmos shaper has come down to earth. Mary is counting his fingers and toes. And this this is Jesus. This is who we're looking at this Christmas. The little, helpless, totally dependent baby, yet also the cosmos shaper, the one who changed and changes everything. And our our theme this Christmas has been the coming King. Jesus, the saviour of the world, the long-awaited Messiah, the one who fulfilled centuries worth of prophecies, Uh, the baby born in miraculous, controversial, unglamorous circumstances. This is Jesus, the coming King. And Alice uh, kicked off this series a few weeks back now, and she looked at Jesus, the Good Shepherd, Jesus, the coming king who knows us and fights for us and who is with us. And then James continued uh, the series at our carol services. He looked at uh, Jesus, the wonderful counsellor, who we receive in awe and wonder. James read from that classic kind of Christmas passage in Isaiah 9. He read this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, so that was our tower services just a few weeks back. And today what I want to do is I want to finish this series by looking at Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world, the one who overcomes the darkness. And what I want us to look at just uh, briefly today is three, these three ideas. Firstly, we see that Jesus was the light of the world. Jesus was the light that was needed to come and overcome the darkness. Secondly, that Jesus is the light of the world. And then thirdly, that if Jesus is the light of the world, that we are then called to be children of the light, people who bring his light into this world. So to do that, what I want to do is to dive back into that Isaiah passage, Isaiah 9. And in verse 2, we read this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And light is one of the most important images of the Christmas narrative. It's part of the Christmas miracle. The birth of Jesus is a transcendent moment. It's one of those moments where we see good overcoming evil and the light piercing the darkness. It's another one of those moments that we read throughout scripture where we have a God who intervenes, we have a God who overcomes. Whether it's in the Old Testament where we see the Red Sea parted and the Israelites walking through it, whether it's the River Jordan that gets dried up, whether it's the giant Goliath slayed by a, a small shepherd boy and his catapult. It's just another one of those moments of God the intervener, God who always overcomes. And what we celebrate at Christmas is the God who overcomes by becoming God incarnate, flesh and blood, walking this earth, moving into the neighbourhood, dwelling amongst us. God's intervention at Christmas is like the light breaking through, on a, you know, like the sun breaking through the clouds on a cloudy day. As it says in that Isaiah passage, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So why was Jesus this great light? Why was he needed? Well, first we need to look at why, why there is darkness and why the light was needed to overcome the darkness. What do, what do we mean by darkness? Well, I'll tell you what we don't mean. I, just a very silly, silly example. In my house, our upstairs bathroom, we have a, a real nuisance. Our, our, our bathroom light causes me great consternation. It's one of those lights, you turn it on, and then suddenly, uh, two or three minutes after you turn it on, it's one of those pull down, click on lights. For no reason at all, it just seems to just click off and the light goes off. Now, this can be a real pain, you know, without going into all the details, you don't need them. There is both a toilet and a shower in this bathroom. So you can imagine that if this light just unexpectedly and without, without warning turns off, it can be quite inconvenient. Now that is just inconvenient, <laughs> silly, comical darkness, if you like. But real darkness, real physical and emotional darkness is something quite different. Because darkness is actually a place a really quite a troubling place. It's a place of, of fear. It can be where you can feel very anxious and scared in darkness. You can feel very confused and disorientated. It can be a place of, of confusion. It can also be a place where you feel very lonely. Where you're not sure if anyone is with you. And it can also be a place of despair. Darkness can be a place without hope. It can feel like there is nowhere to go and no, nothing to move on to. And darkness, in a, in a biblical sense, isn't just a physical reality of, of not being able to see anything. It, it can also refer to a spiritual and, and emotional reality. In the times of Isaiah, where the words were prophesied about Jesus coming, 
that was a time of darkness for the people of, of Israel. They were split in two. Many of them were in exile. The nation had been kind of polarized. Uh, many were facing famine and hardship. And people, many people had started to follow other false gods. So there was a real spiritual and emotional darkness at the time. There were, that, that was very similar to the world into which Jesus was born. Um, 2,000 years ago, at that time, the Jewish people were again scattered. They were very kind of, um, kind of uh, they had been, uh, what's the word? They, they were all kind of arguing with each other, breaking down into lots of different kind of sects and, and kind of uh, groups. They were waiting for something to change. They were living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And they were looking for this Messiah who they thought would be a political or military leader to rise up and kind of move the dial for them. And at that time, John, who uh, was one of Jesus' disciples, he, he wrote one of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And he was writing in that time of, of darkness. And the words he wrote about the birth of Jesus have a remarkable similarity to the words of Isaiah. This is what we read in John chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So that was the, you know, that's John writing about when Jesus came into the world, the light that had arrived in this time of darkness. And it's not hard to suggest we live in a time of darkness at the moment, uh, whether it's the kind of all the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty of living in a pandemic or uh, the climate emergency. There is definitely a sense of that fear and confusion. At times we feel very uh, isolated and lonely. We live in a very polarized society. So there is, there is sadly a darkness in our time as well. It's these moments we realize that it is only Jesus who can speak into and overcome that fear, that confusion, that loneliness, that despair. Perhaps you feel that at the moment. Perhaps, sadly, this, this Christmas time, you, you realize there is a, you're kind of facing some darkness in your life at the moment. Well, let Jesus kind of speak into that. If there is a fear in your life, let his perfect love cast out all fear. If there is a confusion, then know that Jesus is your North Star. He will always light the way. We can fix our eyes on him as the author and perfecter of our faith. He will always make our path straight and clear. Perhaps there's a loneliness in your life at the moment. Turn to the God who moved into our hearts and moved into our world. The one who stepped down into our mess and our brokenness. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God is with us. And as we say yes to Jesus, or we say yes again to Jesus, remember that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to live in us and work through us. We are not alone because he is always with us. If there is a darkness which causes despair and a loss of hope in your life, look to the coming King who will come again. Jesus who will put all things right in the end, the one who defeated the grave, and in whose resurrection power we will rise again too. Turn to the one who we know we have a future eternity with. There will be no more tears, no more loss, no more suffering because of Jesus. So this is why we turn to Jesus. He is the one who overcame the darkness. If there is darkness right now, whether you feel it in your own life or you see it around you, know that Jesus 
was the light, the great light that dawned. Let him dawn again in your life. So if Jesus was the light to come and the light that, that would dawn, he, secondly, he was also the light of the world. He is the light of the world. That's what he said about himself. In John's Gospel, going back into John's Gospel, in chapter 8, Jesus says this. He said this to his followers. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said this. this is one of his I am statements. I am the light of the world. What do we do with that light? For all of us, there comes a choice, isn't there? We can either kind of step towards the light or we can step away from it. Stepping into the light is a moment where we can feel quite exposed. It can, it can kind of, we, we step into it and it kind of reveals our sin and our brokenness. But it's in that moment that we can also receive the love and grace of Jesus. We step into his forgiveness and his freedom. For others, it's that moment where like, actually when they see the light that is in Jesus, they want to hide. They'd rather stay in the shadows. We all have that moment where we have a choice. Do we step towards the light or do we hide away from it? And it's e in some senses, it's easier to stay in the shadow. It feels easier. It's an act of self-preservation. It's where we, we say we don't want to deal with our stuff. But we then miss out on the light. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I was about 15 or 16, I think I was in about year 10 or 11. I can't quite remember, but I went on a school trip. This was before I lived in Wales, but the school trip, it was a residential trip. And we went to the Brecon Beacons, another trip down the M4, uh, going in the other direction. Um, and I just, we had a brilliant time. It was one of those trips where we did hiking and we did, um, we did all sorts of outdoor expeditions. And one of the afternoons, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember we went caving, which was a new experience for me. I, I absolutely loved it. I don't have any photos of it, but it was all underground. Uh, and it was, you know, kind of crawling and scrambling through things and lots of tight tunnels and passageways. And I absolutely loved it. I had such a good time and I didn't really want it to, to, to end. However, I do remember a moment right towards the end of the, uh, end of the afternoon. Um, we, had had, we had an instructor who had guided us through the whole kind of expedition. And for the very final section, he asked me to go first. And he told me what to do and where to go. We basically had to kind of go through this final passageway I kind of scramble up and he said, you know, you'll come back to the kind of entrance, entrance and exit to the cave. So I went in first and off I went slithering up, up this passageway and it got incredibly tight and very dark. I had a head torch on, but even with the torch, it just felt very, very kind of dark and very tight. And I had no one ahead of me because I was the, the first in the group. What's more, it got too tight. I couldn't turn around at all. So I was kind of stuck where I was. And I remember thinking, I can't hear anyone behind me. And I couldn't look around either because it was too tight. So I didn't know if there was anyone behind me. And I had this moment where I suddenly felt, I felt very alone and I just didn't, didn't know what to do. And I, I have to admit, I did feel quite scared. Even though I'd been having such a good time, suddenly the fear had kicked in. And I had that moment of like, what, what do I do? What do I do? Do I just stay put and wait for someone to catch me up? Or do I just kind of get my head down and crack on? And the adrenaline kicked in and I just suddenly went into kind of, I was on a mission, I went into overdrive and I just, all I wanted to do was get, get to the top. So I went really fast, I, I scrambled even fast, I picked up plenty of bumps and bruises on the way, but I just couldn't, couldn't be stopped. And I saw, you know, as I came towards the top, I did see that light, uh, which was at the kind of exit of the cave. 
And the sense of both relief and joy was, was immense when I got there. And afterwards I felt a little bashful about it and I thought, oh, I was probably a bit silly. But in that moment, the emotions were very strong. And when I saw that light, I just couldn't get to it quick enough. That's, I think, how we need to be with Jesus. When we see him as the coming king, the light of the world, we can't get into that light fast enough. It's where we're meant to be. When we feel surrounded, when we feel stuck, when we don't know where to turn, a great light has dawned upon us. So let's make sure we get into that light and as we say yes to him. Again, John, one of the disciples, captures it best. He says this in, in his letter in the, in the New Testament. This is 1 John 1. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sin. So that is the call on our lives. It is to walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light. So we've seen already that Jesus was the light to come, the great light to dawn. We've seen that Jesus is the light and that light is what we are to walk in as he is in the light. And then finally, what I wanna talk about today is what do we do with this? What do we do with all this? If the light has come and has overcome the darkness and we are to be people who live in the light of Jesus, then finally, we are also called to be people who bring the light of Jesus. Uh, let's go back into John's Gospel one more time. This is chapter 12, where Jesus says to his, uh, his followers, this is chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus said, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Similarly, uh, Jesus said this in, in Matthew's gospel, slightly different way of saying it. He taught this, um, chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may, say, sorry, may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So to, to follow the coming King, to follow Jesus, we must become his children who carry his light into the world around us. We've been given this as a mandate. Bring light, bring light that overcomes the darkness. Do you want to see a world in which the light has overcome the darkness? If you want to see what that looks like, look at the life of Jesus. Look at his ministry, look at his teaching, look at his miracles. Look at all people suffering who were healed. Look at the lost people who just had, you know, just felt so lost in their lives, who found a sense of purpose and calling. Look at the people in authority who were oppressing others, who were confounded by Jesus, did not know what to do with him. Look at the people in society who no one else would associate themselves with. And yet Jesus spent time with them. He ate with them. He turned their lives around. He transformed them. Jesus brought life wherever he went. He even brought life to the grave. So he was the ultimate light and life bringer. He was always bringing light that overcame darkness. And our lives, as people who are called to live like Jesus, are to look the same. 
To live a life like Jesus is to live a life where light overcomes darkness. It's a life where we bring uh, light and life to our city, to our neighbourhoods, to our workplaces, to nurseries, to schools, colleges, universities, care homes, hospitals, wherever you're at. Wherever we abide, Jesus wants to abide in us. It's as if he would be living the life for us that he would lead if if it was him living it. It will be full of light. Let me give just one small example of this. Last Christmas, so a year ago now, uh, I was part of a team. We, you know, as a whole church, we were doing lots of projects across the city. And um, part of the team I was, I was part of, um, we delivered a whole like load of um, food parcels to one of our local primary schools um, uh, because we knew that there were some a lot of vulnerable families there struggling with food poverty. And I remember the time we we uh, it was like three van loads worth of all these shopping bags and, and crates. And I actually apologised to the teaching staff as we left because the reception foyer to the, to the school looked more like a supermarket aisle than a reception foyer. It was just piled so high. And I remember thinking it was actually legitimately like a health and safety hazard. I was worried that they wouldn't be able to get in and out of the school, but the, the teaching staff wouldn't, wouldn't hear anything of it. But I, I left thinking, oh dear, we've actually given too much. The very next day I had a message from, I think it was from the deputy head saying thank you, but also to say that, all of the food had gone. And I was, at first I was like, oh, that's, that's great. And then it quite quickly dawned on me. I was like, well, actually, that's, that's really, that's, that's quite something. All that food, and yet there was so much need. that It had gone very, very quickly. And what we were doing was just a drop in the ocean. Now, we continued to do some food parcels over the next few months to, to help these families. But it became clear quite quickly that we needed something more, and God birthed a whole new idea, which was something that would be a lot, much more sustainable moving forward. How is it that we could, we could make, make a difference? So in the last couple of months, and, you know, we've, we've launched, many of you know this, we've launched the Gates Food Co-op. Um, you know, it's working in partnership with Fair Share. Many of you will know that name because of, because of the work of Marcus Rashford. But basically what the Food Co-op is, is just a weekly pop-up shop um, in the Gate, and it is, you know, it's just an amazing thing. It's very kind of simple. Families can come if they're struggling. They pay just a few pounds and they fill that. They get a whole, like their whole weekly shop. And it's just an absolute joy to see families who come in who perhaps are struggling, who then leave shopping bags full of food and, and groceries for the week. You know, and our kind of our heart for this is they would leave full tummies and full hearts. That's our heart and our prayer for the, for the, for the food co-op. It's just the love of God expressed in a very simple and practical way. Now that is just one project, just one project, but it is just uh, every week a moment of the light overcoming the darkness. It's us as the children of God bringing his light and his life to this part of the city. It's it's a moment where you think, well, things can change. And and this is, in the last year or so as a church, we've really looked more deeply at some of the big issues of our time. We've looked at, say, racial injustice or the climate emergency and, and COP26. Change can come in these areas. You know, the tendency would be to despair and think that all is lost. But actually, change can come, and change will come if we live like children of the light. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to one of the early churches, exhorted the early church to exactly this. He said, this is Ephesians uh, 5, sorry, Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians 5, verse 8. He says this, For you were once in darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. 
So let me leave you with this on this Boxing Day. As we head into the new year, I think the question perhaps for us as a people or for us as a church is, how are we going to bring light next year? How is it for you perhaps personally? Maybe that's something you want to ask God. Maybe you want to try to meditate on that this week. Let me read that verse to you again from Ephesians. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So how are we going to bring that light? So I could give you, I, I thought I could give ideas, but actually I almost don't want to do that. What, I want, what I'd love to encourage you to do is just to let God speak to you about that in the next few days and weeks. How is it that you can bring light? What is the specific, is it perhaps a specific thing, a specific calling, a specific project, whatever it is. But let's do that in a way that we know that the light has overcome the darkness. Jesus was the light to come, the great light that dawned. Jesus is the light of the world. And we are called to bring that light to those around us. So this Boxing Day, let's once again, as we have been all this Christmas, welcome the coming King. Let us be a people who welcome him, him into our hearts and show his love to the world around us. I hope that you continue to have a, a wonderful Christmas uh, and a safe Christmas over the next few days. And we'll see you in the new year.